It's okay. We're gonna help you. I know you are. God brought you to me this morning. Well, I don't know about that. I do. He wants you to help me. God wants you to kill my baby. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to uh, what is going to be a an odd episode of, of whatever podcast you may be listening to, and I and I mean that. Uh, you'll, you'll, this will make more sense in a second. Um, welcome to a crossover episode in a lot of different ways of Strange Highways and Invasion of the Podcast. And I'm joined with uh, my podcast husband from Strange Highways, Terry. Welcome to our show, but also my other show. It's the shows. Welcome. <laughs> Uh, stranger danger. Stranger uh, danger. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and invasion things. I don't know. Like uh, stranger, stranger invasions. I don't know. Um, uh, inv- highway I, I would, invasions. I would speak openly, like I, I'm actually talking to people, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this context. <laughs> but thank you for having me on, Paul. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah but the, yeah, but you, but this is this is your show too. Like I don't know. It's it's weird, right? <laughs> so um, I, the way that this is going to be set up uh, for people, welcome to the show. Uh, it, you will find um, that this is going to be a standalone episode, of Strange Highways, that is released to the feed um, starting now. And like clearly, you're listening to it now as opposed to um, in the past, which whatever. Anyway, um, and also, if you're listening because of evasion, you're about an hour or so in into the episode because. What is going on is that uh, Terry and I last week while finishing Strange Highways after talking about Duel, which was a fun, fun talk. That was a great film. Uh, People should check it out. We decided we're going to move on to uh, Masters of Horror uh, uh, Pro-Life, which is the second John Carpenter segment that he directed for that was a Showtime series. Mm -hmm. And since over on Invasion, we've been doing our year of Carpenter where we've been going like, you know, uh, film by film. Uh, in order, uh, with the exception of two, because when I first started this and pitched this to Steve, my other my other co-host, uh, we kind of skipped over two of the earlier films of Carpenter. One was uh, Somebody's Watching Me, which was his original made-for-TV film before Halloween, and then his uh, made-for-TV film Elvis. So outside of those two, we've actually covered, or we will have been covering everything, okay? So uh, since we just had finished covering Ghosts of Mars uh, in our year of Carpenter, um, the next thing would be the Master Horror series. So that would be the two the two segments he did, which were Cigarette Burns and Pro Life. Terry and I, uh, on our show on Strange Highways, we've already covered Cigarette Burns. And Terry, you'll find this funny. I looked up when we did this. It was December 3rd, 2021. It was like three episodes before we started our, um, our year and a half long journey into season one of the 80s iteration of The Twilight Zone. So think about that. It's been a while. Oh yeah. I felt like it was a while ago now, but you know, like 
just uh, looking up some of the notes, I was uh, fortunately able to bring them up. And I was like, wow, that's almost like the same notes <laughs> in a lot of different ways. Fair enough. Uh, so we've already <laughs> had the conversation. So, and I thought it would be kind of like a kismet and uh, kind of like fate. Like, you know, like obviously Terry was on the invasion episode talking about John Carpenter's vampires. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, and I was like, well, why not? This makes sense. It, just, it would, it would be a nice uh, crossing of the streams, so to speak of having us do an anthology episode for obviously for strange highways um, during our detour section while we're between seasons and also covering the year of carpenter. So uh, if you guys will allow me, I'm, I'm killing two birds with one stone, you know? So th- th- I think that it all kind of makes sense. So with people listening to invasion, you've already heard a conversation now about cigarette burns, people listening to strange highways. You already heard a conversation like two years ago. If not go find it or go check out the invasion episode. If you want to hear us, talk about that then too, which by the way, it's funny cause it's been like two plus years since that episode has come out. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I admitted to not seeing, which we've now seen because of the year carpenter. So I, you're going to find a much different, I'm not any more cultured or smarter. I just, that I've seen some stuff in the meantime between, but in the, in the small gap in the recording, if you were listening to this back to back, you know, I will sound somewhat smarter by maybe like 3%. Well, I mean, know. at least you're a little bit more knowledgeable of the, his material at this point. Yeah. Well, it was funny because like one of us besmirched vampires, but then I was just like, wait a second. I think we both kind of liked it. So, like, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so with that said, um, we we did get into some of the history of uh, leading into Masters of Horror, but I do kind of want to lay the tracks down a little bit better uh, going in. So if this sounds like I'm repeating a little bit from the previous part of this episode, that you're now listening to, forgive me, it's been two years. So the book that I now have that I don't have at the time, The Assault on the System, The Nonconformist Cinema of John Carpenter by Troy Howarth, he was talking about after the 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 thud that was uh, vampires, uh, Carpenter was effectively retired. Uh, he really got into video games, which I love that he got into them. Like he got into them because of his son, but then he actually liked them more than his son, which I think is funny. Uh, but then he would also go on and continue getting interviews, recording audio commentaries, doing guest appearances of various retrospectives. But for, for most part, he was in retirement mode and loving every minute of it. I love, I, as much as we're going to talk about, we want more Carpenter content. I kind of love retired Carpenter. His like not giving a shit anymore and just kind of like making peace with things. I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it retired in the sense that he's not really doing movies, but mm-hmm. then he did a little bit of the production stuff for Halloween, the Halloween films, and he's still kind of doing music too. Oh yeah, so for sure. Lost, you know, his lost soundtracks and that, which I absolutely adore. I, I, from the beginning, have loved his music. Um, you know, and, and all the different soundtracks that he's done. But I mean, him and his son create really good music yeah except the, the pro-life we're gonna talk about that in a little bit in a second <laughs> there's some there are some odd sound choices in that segment we'll, we'll talk about that uh so in this in this time though before coming to the master horror um i think you know this but i didn't know specifically that there were some rumblings that there was going to be a possible um michael myers versus pinhead film that he was going to direct with clive barker writing i don't know if you're familiar with that or not I, I heard some uh, whispers in the bushes about it. So I don't know how much of that was like, you know, how close it got to an actual. Yeah, thing there was not. no press about it, but Doug Bradley actually said he had conversations with uh, Barker about it. So it sounds like it was like something being kicked around. That would have been kind of cool. Um, but yeah, that didn't happen. And then, um, so then at this time, um, one of the films that uh, Carpenter talked about, like feeling like he kind of swung and missed on, which he would have had a, a chance to maybe do better, was The Fog. 
Um, Revolution Studios proposed backing a remake in 2004 uh, with him and um, with, with John and Deborah Hill agreed to, to participate at least nominally as producers. Um, they felt loyal to that because it was their first big project that they did together. And they, and it became, but they, it became evident that it wasn't going to be the remake or update that they're hoping for. And it kind of, they kind of shied away from it. I've not seen it. I think I'm good. Um, but and, and that is one of those films that I actually turned off. So <laughs> I, uh, if that tells you anything. Oh, uh, so the, 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 the sad part about this though, is that, um, though Deborah Hill was like, you know, on board as a producer and was hoping to see like the, you know, the best foot forward, uh, she did pass away to cancer before the film started shooting. So this was like, you know, she already was struggling with cancer before this and, but you know, they felt that this was like their, their, like their baby, right. In a lot of ways. Uh, but I thought it would just, it, it'd be worthy of mentioning because as we've been going through this, this whole ex- exploration of Carpenter, Deborah Hill, you wouldn't have the Carpenter that we know without Deborah Hill. And even though there, that, um, the, the last thing they kind of like, um, I wouldn't say collaborate on, but kind of were overseeing was this, that that's a shame and gone too soon. So I just wanted to point that out. So, um, after that point, uh, this is what we talked about and during our, our Cigarette Burns episode where Carpenter was uh, doing like hanging out the, uh, um, with the McGarris with their dinners with all the different other creative people. And they kind of kicked around the idea of like, um, you know, creating this like series where McGarris is like, you know, you guys are all creative, amazing people that I love and I'm fans of all of you. Let, let's try to get something going. And that's how Masters of Horror started. Um, the, one, the one name that we didn't talk about previously that was actually offered a spot and they stepped away for a reason that I'll tell you in a moment was, um, uh, it was, um, Romero was actually offered a spot and he turned it down for the masters of horror. Yeah. It, there was, from what I understand, most of it was done, uh, because of, uh, timelines and that and what he was working on. Mm-hmm. I believe he was working on land of the dead, uh, or it was at least around that time. So, well, yeah. you know, it, it, so the big thing was the time frames because they were going to be a short like once you once you got shooting you had like ten days to shoot your thing, and also um, like because also the, the the turnaround time was going to be a really tight window. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for the creators to write their own things or at least write them comfortably. So right. and then also the budgets were going to be around um, less than two million an episode, which you know um, for prestige television even then that's still a really low budget you know so um so yeah he bowed out which is like unfortunate but at the same time you know as much as i know you're the big like a bigger romero fan than i am not not because it's not that i don't appreciate but we we know that there's sometimes that his his ambitions didn't well sometimes his hopes didn't quite meet the meet the output you know so i'll say that so i don't know but considering that some of these masters of horror episodes have been kind of considered kind of, kind of poo. Um, who knows where he would have landed with, you know, within this larger framework. It's just, it's just something I wanted to bring up because I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, uh, names that are involved with this series that, uh, honestly, God, I don't know how Mick was able to get it, uh, all together because there are, I'm, there's some fantastic names, obviously Carpenter being one of them and being able to do two episodes. And it's like, but not only that, but like the actors and like the production crews mm. and that. I mean, like we had K and B working on the entire series too, which is incredible for K and B. 
yeah. you know, Greg Nicotero and company. Which that's, that's worthy of the, yeah, pointing out. Um, so with that also being said too, like, um, because Mick Garris is like, he got like, he basically was like, Hey guys, I sold this idea to Showtime. Let's do it. Basically, he was so excited and the Showtime bid on it. Like then he kind of had to convince like everybody to get on board, which I think is kind of funny that he, he got the project greenlit and then was like, Hey, you guys want to make it <laughs> type of thing. Um, but like Carpenter is that he actually got excited to start, you know, he's like, I got interested in directing again. And they were, they were promised a certain percentage of, um, you know, like, you know, money after the, the, the productions broke even and started gaining money. But, um, as we all know, and especially considering what's going on right now with the writer strike and the actor strike, um, this is what Carpenter said. We were supposed to be getting percentages when it got into profits, but somehow magically, like a lot of things in the movie business, it never got into profits. Hard to figure that one out since it was so cheaply done. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I just like not to, to poo poo on the, the product itself and not, not, you know, really give it its due. But I mean, there is definitely a, a quality that is lacking here compared to some other productions that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it just, again, like the the magnitude of what kind of thing this is to get it accomplished and actually put the screen and everything. It's, I think it's mind boggling. I mean, considering like the attempt at what they're trying, because I even know that it, based upon had this series been more successful, there was supposed to be a Masters of Sci-Fi series coming too. Where they're going yeah. to get a bunch of like, they're, they're, like I'm not saying there isn't gold in these hills. It's just that, um, you know, again, since we're now in the middle of these the creative strikes, sorry, um, the, the people that have the money are not wanting to pay the creative people, which is bullshit. When we can, like, yeah. I think we can all agree on that. Um, I think that you would feel like something like if Netflix didn't it got its head out of its ass, like if you gave the budget like you did to Del Toro with this cabinet of curiosities, like you something you could take a run at this again. Right. And cause even then that's kind of like an offshoot of this because he picked different directors and voices to make episodes, right? Like important uh, people there in horror. So maybe that's kind of the spiritual sequel. Maybe I just kind of back my way into that. But, well, and yeah. the, the, the other um, series that we're kind of uh, leaving off the plate here is that uh, it, fear itself was supposed to be mm -hmm. the third season of masters of horror. But because of um, the rights issues and that and who it was being sold to at that time, they ended up deciding to change the name of it because, I mean, there were so many things that already were, I mean, like this was years like after first Masters of Horror happened. So they were like, you know what, let's just change the name. And then, uh, then you know, like when they saw that they were going to, there was a writer strike at that time too. So some of the people that were being brought on were scabs. And Mick Garris was like, all right, you know what? I can't, I can't be a part of this now. I just in good conscience, I can't have my name be on well, this. Then also, it was, not what it was I wanted. For broadcast television, so it had to be toned down. So that's another big challenge Correct. too. Yeah. So, um, so with that being said, um, and let me let me get into a little bit of information about cigarette burns. But again, everybody go back to that episode or rewind an hour. Um, but I just want to kind of mention, skip through it real quick, just because that leads to. Uh, John doing pro-life, right? So um, Garris commissioned scripts from a variety of writers and ultimately very few of the directors were able to write their own material um, because the need for speed was one of the reasons why Romero, like I said, he backed down. Uh, the directors were then permitted to take their pick of the scripts, which John was settling on a piece written by Drew McWeeney um, and Scott Swan, which we know um, Scott Swan is, um, but is now Rebecca Swan. And we talked about that. Yeah, went through yeah, transition, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's important to correctly identify that. Them, sorry, not that. You know what I mean. Uh, called Cigarette Burns. And he actually liked um, the script because he felt like it was kind of in line with like being like a little like a little bit of the Apocalypse Trilogy, 
right? With the thing, um, you know, uh, um, Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness, which we could agree, like, yeah, there's a lot of elements of that. So like, he felt like it was like, you know what? This is kind of my jam. Let's just do it. He actually ended up having, he liked working with those two so well that when, when it came to season two, he automatically picked them to write a script. So I think that says something. We'll, we'll get to the script itself in a minute, but like he picked them because he liked working with them. And also, um, like the whole shoot itself was easy breezy. Like, and it actually got a pretty good reception. And it was actually one of the two highest rated episodes of that first season, Cigarette Burns. And so he had a, he had a good, a, a, like, he was like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. I'll go ahead and do the second one, even though I'm not really getting paid. So then um, the other thing to mention here, too, is that he did find new people to work with. There was an editor uh, named Pat McManon that he actually proved to work well with Carpenter. And so he'd actually edit this. Um, pro-life and then the ward. So it turns out like they're kind of like, you know, they found a kinship. So I, you can tell that once he finds somebody he likes, he wants to keep them around. So I thought that was important to mention. Uh, and then see, is there anything else here about cigarette burns that we didn't just talk about uh, two years ago? Um, but we both came away from that very, very favorable. We liked it a lot. Um, so and then the last thing here was like the, um, the majority of Carpenter fans saw it as proof positive that John was still capable of delivering the goods. So, yeah, that's where we're at with with that. Um, so, and also too, like you know, in terms of like, uh, there's other constraints that I thought were interesting that I didn't consider uh, with with both cigarette burns and pro life. Since they're both being shot in Vancouver, um, there's different union labor rules up there. Like they could only have two non-Canadian actors part of the crew. Like in terms of like the acting, like the actual actors. So um, that's why um, we ended up getting Udo Kier and uh, Norman Reedus. And cigarette burns. Everybody else is Canadian, and in this one, um, we get one very, very distinct American man <laughs> that we'll talk about in a second in terms mm. of cast. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. So that's that's the information I have with that. Um, so yeah, let's just get into um, let's just get into pro life. Uh, it would be Masters of Horror season two, episode five, air date November twenty fourth, two thousand six. Directed by John Carpenter. Duh. We just talked about Drew uh, McWeeney and uh, Rebecca Swan, um, and also. In the meantime, between our recording of our talk about cigarette burns and now, there was, um, oh, oh, what was the name of the podcast? I'll look it up. There was an amazing seven or eight part podcast talking about the like the rise and fall of Ain't It Cool News. Andrew McWeeny is actually interviewed on that at, like a couple different spots. Um, it, I, I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. It was a really fascinating um, uh, podcast that people want to get into his struggles of trying to separate himself from Anacool News and also the legacy of Anacool News. But I'm going to look that up in a second. Um, let's get into the cast here. Who do we have? Yeah, so uh, real quick, uh, we'll mention uh, Cody Carpenter again doing the music for this. Um, kind of the thing that you were saying about the music compared to the last episode of Cigarette Burns, I, this is a very strange soundtrack and how it's constructed. Mm -hmm. And then the one that was prior to that in Cigarette Burns was very a uh, piano mm -hmm. and it, it was very elegant and beautiful. Very and ethereal. Just, yeah. Yeah. This one was very strange. And I, I was like, I, I don't know, maybe it was because it was trying to keep you off kilter. Um, yeah, I, so if that was the case, then it worked. I think, um, I think this whole episode is kind of unbalanced in a lot of ways. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying that as a positive and yeah, the music is a little odd. Uh, the name of the podcast was called uh, Download. That's D O W L. Sorry, D O W N L O W dot D as in download. It's spelled odd, but people should look it up. It's the rise and fall of Harry Knowles and Cool News, and Drew McWeeny's on there a lot, as well as uh, uh, was it C. Robert Cargill, the gentleman that was the co-writer of the Black Phone, 
and Dr. Strange. He's on there for a minute too. It's a really fascinating podcast. Sorry, moving on. Okay. Yeah. So then uh, to our cast, we go here. We have Catelyn Welch's Welch's Welch's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She plays Angelique uh, Brochelle. Uh, she was in uh, a couple of Airbud movies and then Inspector Gadget too. I will just say uh, quickly here that there are a lot of different cast members, and I'm gonna we're gonna try to make this as fast as possible. Uh, and and I, well, how would you pronounce this next name? Here? Well, first I want to mention the biggest thing she was in was from Profiler. I don't, I don't remember that show. It was an NBC for a few years. She was in 41 episodes of that. But I, yeah, I'm glad that you wrote two Airbud films because I did too. <laughs> because you got to mention that, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the next person you're gonna mention is Emmanuel uh, Valier. Um, as Kim, yeah. um, yeah, she was in saw two and four, you know, the best ones I have. No, I, whatever. I, I'm kidding. And the, the only good saw film was called seven. Uh, so, and then I'll, uh, and she was also in Wishmaster three, <laughs> which no one talks about, uh, uh-huh. 25 episodes of CSI New York. And then also the movie that we should watch. No, we shouldn't watch it. Bachelor party Two: the last temptation. I, I, I'm really curious to see it. I'm like really, really curious, but Nonetheless, um, then we'll save that for another podcast. Yeah, next uh, Mar- episode. Uh, no. <laughs> I think this one's called, uh, his uh, last name is Mark Feuerstein. Feuerstein. Yeah, I think so. Feuerstein. Yeah. yeah. So Alex O'Shea, uh, he plays, he was in Practical Magic, and he was also in some of that show Prison Break. Um, 104 episodes of the USA show Royal Pains. I know you probably don't remember that it was in syndication, but it was on for quite a while. If I recall, he played a doctor on there too, and he was known they, they kind of like people figured out that he has kind of a knack for like comedy, like timing and like um, delivery. Cause it even mm. shows up a little bit in this, like a smidge, right? But not much. He has, he has a charisma about him. Uh, but also I like that uh, per his what IMDB, it said uh, trademarks, like one of the things he's known for usually plays a boyfriend that is too young for the leading lady and winds up getting dumped. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> 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 you gotta love, Wikipedia and IMDb. Um, so yeah, next here, I think uh, it's most important to say this next cast member uh, in the, in the string of cast members here, Ron Perlman. Um, I mean, he is just, he's something else in this, but, uh, but he plays Dwayne Bushell. I, I'm not sure how much we wanted to talk about Perlman because I think everybody knows who Ron Perlman is at yeah. this point, but I mean, you know, he was Hellboy. He was in uh, Pacific Rim, you know, he was in the original Beauty and the Beast uh, syndicated yeah. show. Yeah, that, that, so it's, it's like yeah. That, that, actually, that's funny because if I recall, whenever they were when Del Toro was trying to convince um, the powers that be to cast Ron Perlman as Hellboy, um, they went back and found the life cast that they took of his face for Beauty and the Beast, and then they did, they did like the Hellboy prosthetics on that life cast. Like they did a mock up to show the studio like this is the man, and because of that, they convinced them to be like he has the look. So I think that's awesome. That they went back and, and, like, the, and yeah. the line delivery. I'm mean, like, oh, the I dude is just. I love Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's he's fun to follow on social media too. Uh, so yeah, Speaking especially of, yeah, when you <laughs> yeah, the writer strike and the actor strike, he is on fire right now. Like he's holding yeah. every. It's like you don't you don't mess with Ron Perlman, right? So I, I think the juxtaposition is actually interesting and in how his character and his motives are in this. But uh, in real life, he's a quite a different person. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I. Uh, but yeah, next we'll we'll talk about uh Blakeski. I think it's Bish, Bishki Gushki. Yeah. yeah, I just okay. I, yeah. Yeah. I mistyped that. I'm sorry. I, well, uh, it's, yeah. it's it's an unusual name. Um, and no no offense, we're not trying to mispronounce things like on purpose or whatever. But yeah, uh, he plays Kiernan, which I had to write beside me beside the note guard because I'm like I'm like who's Kiernan? 
he was the security guard. Yeah, he was in a, a great, uh, I consider a great at least, uh, Jacques-Claude Van Damme movie called Replicant. Check that out. It's pretty badass. And he was also in uh, uh, some episodes of Battle uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yes, um, eight episodes, so no no small part there. And also, he had a small part as an officer in Saving Silverman, one of my favorite. I'm not going to even say guilty comedy comedies. One of my favorite comedies. I love that dumb movie so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, next here we have Jeremy Jones. Uh, he plays Doug. He was uh, in shows like iZombie and X-Files. Yeah, um, he was in the newer iteration of The Stand, um, which I did not see and I've not heard good things about. And he's currently in Fire Country. Because evidently, you know, that's what some procedural shows are now where it's like FBI, Fire Country, like, I don't know, Woods Place guy. It's, they're all, it's all professions now. Like, you know, like everything is all just profession based shows. Like, you know, right. dramas, you know, Handyman, North. I don't know. Uh, I, got, I got nothing. Um, so, yeah, now next we have list, uh, Lisa uh, Bunting. Uh, she, was, she plays Joan in this. Uh, she was in Deadpool too. That was probably the biggest thing I could find. So um, I, I thought this was funny. She does a lot of uh, voice acting for cartoons. She was in um, uh, 26 episodes, of something called action man, which I think is the greatest name for just a, sh- a, car- a car- cartoon. Cause it's like, that, that sounds like a default setting for a toy that you like, you're like, I want transformers. And my mom's like, no, I got you action man. I'm like, Oh, you know, that's what it feels like to me. But the, the, the byline for action man is the adventures of action man and his friends in the fighting. It's Dr. X. I'm like, did nobody just remember to make up names for any of the characters for the show? <laughs> it's just like all the the uh, stuff that was left on the drawing board, you know, like, like they're like, we don't have anything to do with like this. Someone just sent in a script and they're like, well, you know, like this is our idea for what we want to do. And then they, they're like, they just put in tip names. They're like, good, we've made 26 episodes. Like, what did you do? You know, and then right. she was also in two episodes of a cartoon that was based upon a Robert Kirkman comic, Robert Kirkman, you know, The Walking Dead, Invincible, all good stuff. The the comic is a kid like a kid friendly comic called Super Dinosaur. I did not know what this is, but she was in two episodes of Super Dinosaur, which is again that's a way better name than Action Man. But credit where credits do. <laughs> right, and so we have Stephen um, the off Demopolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so play Sam. Uh, he was in First Blood. He was also in Happy Gilmore. Yeah, there we go. And then uh, Ashley Williams uh, plays. Uh, is Isabel, I guess. That's yeah, how it's pronounced. Isabel or Isabel. Yeah, whatever. Isabel, yeah. Uh, she, she was in Juno. Um, but the only thing I could really find there. Uh, Grace Bauer, she was uh, Marie. Uh, she was in some stuff. I've, ne- I've never heard of any of it, but she was in She was in some stuff. <laughs> I wrote 13 credits. Clearly, it was important to me when I was going through my notes here. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, we have Bill Dow. He plays the doctor, uh, Keeper, in this. He was in The Fly 2. Uh, which that draws back to Mick Garris and because nice. he directed that, but he was also in the TV uh, remake of Carrie as okay. well. He looks familiar to me. And then I realized in hindsight that I actually forgot to put notes down for him. So I'm glad you brought out the fly too. That's, a, that's um, not a great movie, but an interesting one. Uh, it so, is a very interesting yeah. one. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll just fly through the rest of them unless you have somebody to, to like, I, really I gotta, point I, here, out. We here. could go through a couple. We have Arabella Bushnell as Grace. She was in five episodes of Riverdale. Graham McComb as Caleb Burcell. Three episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, the funny thing about him, he actually played the younger version of um, all the actor we were talking about in A Day in Beaumont that was the lead. And then oh, okay. he, his character is like, was it Dr. Martin something or other? Um, and he's one half of Firestorm. But in Legends of Tomorrow, this guy played the younger version of him. Cause the show deals with time travel. So I thought that was interesting. Anyway, 
Uh, Benjamin Rogers as Cole Bursell, one episode of The Last of Us. That's cool. Chad uh, Krochuk as Daryl Bursell, uh, Batman versus Superman. And then um, the, there's, a, there's a guy here. You, I don't know if you know him or not, Terry, named Derek Mears. Plays yeah, the Derek father. Mears. Uh, this is amazing because uh, he was going to be the one I was going to bring up here. Um, usually a, a creature, uh, a creature guy, a guy in a suit. Um, he has been a predator before. He's been, uh, you mean the alien uh, predator, not just a predator predator. That'd be weird. No, no yeah, yeah. He was, well, it, I can't say he's, he's been in the, <laughs> the predator movie cause he was in predators. I think, yeah, he was, I think that was his first role as yeah. the, as the creature. Um, but he was also, he was swamp thing more recently. He was also, uh, Jason Voorhees in the remake of Friday the 13th. Yeah. So like, is and also with him being a swamp thing, which is the, the DC, like they did the TV show that was canceled. It was canceled before the first season was even released, which is a whole thing. Right. But his swamp thing has showed up a legends of tomorrow. So there we go. More legends of tomorrow crossovers. I, I've not seen any of the new swamp thing. I've heard it was decent and I'm glad that at least, you know, it's getting swamp thing needs to get some love. Right. So I think it's, yeah. And Derek, Derek Mears is a, He's a very intelligent dude. He's a very, I mean, like, I, I think he's like got a lot of um, uh, personality, and mm-hmm. it's just like it's not often that you see that from a guy who's just put into a creature suit and never was really given any lines. So it's nice to see he's getting like his, uh, you know, his kind of like resurgence in his career because he's doing a lot of work still. Oh, for sure. And I, I, from what a little I've heard, is he's, he's supposed to be like the nicest guy ever. So that's awesome, right? Like as yeah. much as. I, I did soften on my rewatch of the the newer Friday the 13th. Um, but it's like, you know, I, I have my, I do have my problems with it. He's not my problem with it, you know? So he, cause he does, they wanted him to be more of like a survival, like, like a guy like, you know, doomsday type of survivalist and the way he moved and carried himself. And I think he did a really good job with that physicality as Jason. Yeah. He, he built like a brick shit house. So yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's a bad too. dude. Yeah. yeah <laughs> for sure. So, um, yeah. So then also I just want to mention here too, that, um, they, they got Ron Perlman for a song to be in this because this was right after Hellboy came out. Um, and, and it was all between that and the, the golden army. And then eventually you go on like sons of anarchy, but it's Ron Perlman. We know, we knew who he was. Right. But he took, like, he basically agreed to work with, cause he wanted to work with John Carpenter. So I think that's, um, and also I, I don't remember when, um, I think did, didn't desperation come out after this? Cause that was Mick Garris directing as well. Uh, that was the made for TV I, Stephen King adaptation that Perlman was in. I can't remember when that came out, but clearly Perlman likes McGarris, right? And he, but he wanted to work with Carpenter. Well, which, he was you in. Know. Did I don't? Did you mention uh, Sleepwalkers? Because he, I mean, he had a. Oh, that's pretty... right. He was one of the like you know the cops or whatever, right? And that's who. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that forgot. I'm sorry. I keep all I can remember about that movie as a corn cob in the back and some of the <laughs> worst morphing effects you have ever seen in a movie. It, dear God, is that bad? Yeah, uh, that's a movie to watch with people because one, never watch that by yourself, and two, it, you, it's one of those experiences where you have to turn and look at somebody and be like, "Did we just see that?" Like, you know, like just my god, just uh, I, I do not like that movie, but it's a fun movie to watch with people. I, I, I for some reason have a soft spot for it. I, I don't know if it's because I saw it early enough that I can forgive every fault in it. Um, the, <laughs> the, the best part of know. that movie is them using the track Sleepwalk. In it. That's the best part of the movie. And that's why I have, I've loved that song since the moment I've heard it, you know, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, pro-life, this is the second segment we talked about, like that, uh, that Carpenter will direct for, uh, masters of horror. Um, 
as we usually do on Strange Highways, we usually go blow by blow uh, through the story here. Um, I, it, there's a for an only an hour long. There's a lot of wheel spinning in this, and it feels weird to me. This 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 episode is very. The pacing's odd. Did you get the vibe for that? Because I watched it twice, and it was for something that's supposed to be a pretty like you know like ticking clock scenario. There was a lot of like just puttering around and nothing happening at times. I I do remember seeing this some odd years ago, probably even closer when it first initially came out. And it's like rewatching it, I was like, damn, I know exactly what's happening in this. And it's like, but it's like I, you know what I mean? Like it, you, it, it's like one of those weird things, like a fever dream. You're like. I know what's happening, but do I? I don't know. And then it's like by the end, you're still like, "Yep, yeah, that well, that was screwed up." Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. I, I think that especially since um, you know we got Dwayne here, uh, the father. Yeah. But, well, um, yeah, we like we, he, he's menacing. No, that, that, that's important. I want to. Yeah, I do want to speak to that. But like we have uh, Angelique, um, her character runs through the woods at the beginning. Um, I like I I understand that this is like it's a cheaper production in terms of budget. I don't know about you, but I hate that stuttery slow motion shit that happens in productions. You know what I'm talking about? Like that's a, that's an active choice because you didn't shoot for slow motion and now you're doing like a, like you're affecting the footage to make it look like a slow motion, but it's just like that staggered. I hate that type of slow motion. But anyway, her running through the woods. We also then meet our, our, our couple, which is, uh, was Alex and Kim who are working together at this, um, uh, this clinic, this, uh, family care clinic. Um, and they like, they, he's happy as could be cause he got laid the night before. So I think that's funny. He's just playing me like, he's like, I'm gonna listen to this a third eye blind and whatever. And she's like, turn it down. I don't let people know that we had sex, whatever. It's stupid. But, um, they, they almost hit Angelique. They're like, we got to take you to a clinic to make sure you're okay. Rightfully, you know, like, wouldn't it be nice to like, I almost hit you with my car. Good thing we work at a medical facility so I could take you there. So you don't have to sue me. You know, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, I mean, that's like the, the perfect way to, uh, kind of fix that one up. Like, like, oh yeah, it's like, uh, I work at a body shop <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, don't worry. We, we'll, 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 it's okay. So, um, so they take her to this clinic and then while she's like getting ready to be taken out, uh, they, they see this van pulling up to the gate and then I do the one thing I really do appreciate about the, the, the script in the episode and the way at least Carpenter presents this is that when the van shows up, everybody knows who that person is even if the people around don't know why each other know what that van is, but nothing good comes from that van. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's already, uh, it's already a concern. Yeah. So it's like they close the gate as quickly as they can too. And so we find out that this is Dwayne probably like considered like the town problem or whatever, or at least the clinic's biggest problem because, he has a restraining order to stay what 500 yards away yeah. or some, something like that. Cause I mean, this is, this is a clinic that does perform abortions, but you know, it's more than that, which, you know, the, the, the politics of this episode were, were um, spicy then, and they've only gotten spicier right since then. Right. So in spicier I'm being, I, you know, I'm, that, I'm that's downplaying it. Um, it. It's, it, it's a shame to think that when this episode came out uh, and I, I cut you off, Terry, I apologize. Uh, in 2006, that women had more rights than an access to health care and abortion, you know, care than they do now in 2023. And this is supposed to, this was a hot button topic then, right? That's, um, anyway, it's just, it, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, Ron Perlman's character won in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, like it's, it sucks. I, I think it's interesting too, that they really do not mention what the 
like what he had done. I mean, he obviously, he's not happy about the place being the place that it is, but it's almost like, all right, as long as I can get my daughter back, we're not going to have any problems. Yeah. And that like, it's like, but we know that with this dude, with him being so like, I, I guess like, uh, quiet and kind of reserved at this moment. That's a that's a gift right now that he's offering <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, and like and, and and the gentleman who wrote the book that I have been like picking all his wonderful uh, uh, commentary and um, knowledge from pointed out that like you know, Carpenter wanted to actually pick somebody that could actually portray um, you know Dwayne without being like a lunatic. Like I mean, at least at, at, at first, right? Like you wanted to have this person that had conviction and but didn't come across as like crazy. Right. Yeah. So, and I think, I, I think Ron Perlman, he's the strength of the episode and the way he just kind of plays it. But even it's like, you, I, but I do like, I, I, I don't know if it's just because of my, um, the way that I, I, since I love the film Christine so much, just seeing a, a vehicle when you can't see the driver and you see a, a red vehicle and you hear the engine rev, I'm like, yeah, shit's about to get real. You know, like I love the menace of this van, <laughs> just something, maybe also because we just watched Duel for Strange Highways. I don't trust vehicles with um, with drivers I can't see now. I guess I don't know, but uh, there there is some inherent like menace when you see this thing appear, and then when he pulls up, and how like he is, you could tell that the contempt he has, but also you're right, like him being quiet is like, you know, it could that that's, it could change very quickly. Yeah, and everybody's approaching him with kids' gloves at this point too. I mean, even our doctor is. I, it seems like he's actually frightened to go out see, to see Dwayne mm-hmm. and not really communicate with him himself, which rightfully so. I mean, considering he's the guy who runs this clinic, uh, he's probably on his shit list on Dwayne's shit list, you know, well, but uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, even yeah. the guard, the armed guard is scared to approach Dwayne. Like that's just that, that just shows you how much of a badass he's being built up to be right here. Yeah, no, but I do like I do, to, to yeah to agree with you. I like that of all the things that this episode tells you that you don't need to know or like this or shows you and you don't need to see. I'm glad that we didn't see the inciting element that caused him to get the restraining order because that seems a lot more menacing as well because you don't know what he did, right? Yeah, like, and I think it gets a lot more. Um, that, that looms larger in your head that everybody, like you mentioned, everybody's coming up to him with kids gloves. So it's like something bad happened once with this guy, at least, at least once, you know, and and I think, I think it has a right to be ambiguous because it's like, you know, if, if if not saying it gives that much more menace to it, then so be it. Then I think that was a good, good choice here to, to kind of have that be the mythos of what Dwayne is able to do. Yeah. You know? If only, um, you know, if only the writers decided they could have maybe held back a little bit with the other part of the backstory that we got, but whatever, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah. you know, I just, you know, <laughs> cause it escalates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But like, but so, but then we find out that Angelique who is 15, um, she's pregnant. She looks like she's a couple months pregnant and we have Alex being like, okay, when'd you get pregnant? She's like, like last week, and he's like, no, 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 stop lying. And she's like, I'm not lying. And then, you know, like that back and forth, like I get that she feels like she's like, no one's going to believe me, which that does speak to a lot of people not believing victims, 
Right. Mm. So I, I do get that, especially when they find out that, that she's the daughter of Dwayne and like, you know, clearly they think there's abuse involved here um, that like, you know, they don't want to believe her at face value. Uh, but then they start doing like the ultrasound and <laughs> that sequence, man, it's like the moment that happened with what happened to the ultrasound wand. I was like, I don't know about this episode. Like, <laughs> What that you don't think that could happen? What do you mean? <laughs> I just, like, That's like, when you've lost your faith in this episode. <laughs> I just I started being like, this is a, like okay, like the wheels hadn't fallen off, but it was getting a little wobbly. I'll just put it that way, right? Like I was like, uh oh, yeah. here we go. Because uh, like it's well, one thing to so, show. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, please. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's like uh, to kind of describe to our listeners what that that, that means. Uh, as they're trying to do the ultrasound, all of a sudden, like we're getting like fuzziness in the in you know on the monitor. Then all of a sudden, like the the baby is starting to kick like big time. I mean, like almost like bursting out of her stomach, kicking. And I'm like, whoa, man, this thing is doing karate kicks in there. If that's what it's doing, well, uh, I, and just like the images that we see of this thing are very weird looking as well. That's fair. It's just with the way like the way the stomach was moving. Like, I mean, we've all seen, you know, like in real, like real life babies move and you see the stomach move. Like I get that. Right. Like, it's like, I'm not, that's not weird. Um, but it's like how extreme it is and how like, for yourself. yeah, I mean, I've, I've eaten, I've eaten, I've eaten Taco Bell. I've seen my stomach move in ways I don't want to talk about. Uh, but, um, so, uh, you know, I've, my first child was named fourth meal, but, uh, so, um, that's not, that's not true. It was, uh, it was, it was Chalupa. That was my, my child's first name. Um, so, uh, when the with the way this thing was moving and like how extreme it was, the two people in the room who have dealt with like so many, you know, you know, women that were seeking to you know to terminate pregnancies or those that were being like delivering, like you would think one of them be like, "What is going on?" You know, because like clearly it isn't like, "Oh, oh no, somebody has a case of the rumblies." You know, like I don't think that's really what was going on there. But then when the thing kind of reaches through the stomach and somehow does, it does like, um, I don't know, it, it folds over the ultrasound one and, and breaks it. And they're like, oh, something weird's going on. No shit. Something weird's going on. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah that, it, it, it looks ridiculous, too. I think it would have just been a better choice to just for some reason had the thing short out or yeah. something. I'm yeah. not like, like, why how, did they have to go that far? Like, how does a film like the Manitou handle this better? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, you know, like, it, and it's like, but it's like at the same point, like how long did that gag have to be set up for? You know, it's like, I don't know. In terms I, of budget and writing. Just, yeah. Yeah. It could yeah, have been. And like, yeah. And it just looks silly. No, you're so. right. There could have been, there could have been a couple of different ways to handle that. Like to, to get it across, like, you know, like, uh, because it's, uh, clearly this thing's otherworldly. Maybe there had been a compulsion from like the 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 mother because she's un, in pain to actually break the thing. Like you, know, you could have done it a couple different ways. As much as she doesn't want it inside her, she's in pain when it's getting scanned. You know, like you could have you could have done this a couple different ways and still been just as effective and just as creepy. Um, but and, anyway. and meanwhile, meanwhile, yeah. Dwayne is outside losing his cool pretty fast here. Yeah. And there's also we, we should mention there's other there's. Um, five other characters that are involved in this that really have no reason to be there. There is the the mother and, and father and the daughter in the waiting room that serve no purpose. Uh, and then there's the other woman waiting for a procedure. All she ever gets is the one line of like, you know, like basically don't be an asshole when she's like talking to the guy in the waiting room. Um, yeah. And that's all we get from her. 
that's all we get from her. And then there's the, the and then person, there's another nurse on site. Th- there's the too. one working the front desk, and then there's the escort, Doug. Uh, Doug, who's a dumbass. We'll talk about Doug being a dumbass later. Um, but yeah, it's like it's like again, you could have trimmed out some of this. I, I get if your if your goal in the story was to show different reactions to why you would be at a clinic that day and um, how um, adults or parents uh, react to, to these situations. Right. Cause you have, you have um, Dwayne who it, like ultimately as, as misguided as he is, he does care for his daughter and wants her back. Right. So we, we, we can agree on that in terms of like, he actually, you never once doubt his love for his children. I, right. I, I believe that whatsoever. I, I mean, you can't and, tell and me he has yeah. convictions behind his yes. beliefs too. Like he, um, he knows that this is a clinic that, you know, does the, you know, abortions and that. And he's like, if there is one place I don't want my daughter right now, it's this yeah. place right here. And then we also have Alex and Kim who they are showing compassion because like they understand where they're supposed to be at and what's best for the patient. So we get that as well, even though there's a little bit of like not understanding to begin with, but uh, rightfully so. All things considered. And we even have the doctor, uh, Kiefer, who I relabeled Dr. Guns later in my notes. Um, <laughs> like, um, that even, even though he is like, you know, anxious, he's still like, he's, you know, like he's still seeing like, I, I don't know if the greater good, but he understands his purpose for what the job yeah. he's doing. Um, but then it's like, if, if you just want a shitty father figure, great. You just have him in the lobby. I don't understand why that guy exists because we clearly already see, um, differing opinions of how people are treated in terms of these situations. It just right. felt like, it felt like to me that you could have maybe um, folded some of that in a little bit, but the whole thing too, is that you wanted to have like a hostage situation, like an assault on precinct, th- pre- precinct 13, like uh, people are held against their will. That doesn't really do anything either because it doesn't really like, yes, this, this place goes under siege, but it doesn't really do anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just kind of gets wasted. I don't understand what was going on. And that father, he might get a moment of redemption at the end, but I still think it's very selfish, but whatever. I just, I don't understand the point of him or that family. And I'm going on too much about that, but it's as much as, and I'm jumping ahead. So I apologize, Terry. Um, This feels very much like a made for TV episode, which it is. Um, It's very pedestrian in a lot of ways. Um, But for whatever reason, I just, I got to blame a lot of the script, but I also got to blame that, as much as Carpenter liked working with these two on cigarette burns, like I wish there would have been like, Hey, can you give me a second draft of this? You know, like there's something in here that's just, that's missing and it feels very loosey goosey and it's odd. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand what you're saying about the, uh, you know, kind of being too many characters because the majority of this story is in one place, the, yeah. the clinic itself. So it's just like when we have that many people floating around in this one facility and Let's be real here, too. This is not a huge facility either. So it's just like to have all these people running around it and doing all the whatever they're doing. Because even then, like when we get a couple a couple people knocked off, that's pretty much it. That's all we see. It's like that per- person gets knocked off like the father. Yeah. Uh, like he's killed. And then that's the end of that. Like, like that's, w- we don't see been, anything happen otherwise. Wouldn't it have been, I think, a little bit more interesting. And I know, okay, again, I'm judging something that's already been done. And, and I, I know I'm guilty of always rewriting things because um, I'm not a writer. I'm a hack and a fraud. Um, would it have been interesting for the father to be an asshole? But whenever push comes to shove, when it becomes like they're under siege, he's like, you know what? <laughs> I might be mad at my daughter, but you don't get the right to take 
like her 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 right away by coming in here guns a blazing. You know, like like you know, like because I, I think the title of the episode being pro life, I think, is taken in a couple of different ways. You could take that in a lot of different directions. I think there could have been some character arcs here, like um, you know, Dwayne does have an arc, right? For sure. Um, I think he's the only one that does, honestly, in terms of like actual like um, A to B in terms of where he is and where he ends up. Everybody else is already kind of fixed in like where they're at and they don't really change at all. Right. Yeah. So, they're, they're just, just, just surface level, like really yeah. thin characters. I, I mean, I understand the, the parents with their daughter, you know, they have kind of their R2, their daughter made a poor decision when she was younger and they have to, you know, they want to take her to this clinic. That's kind of the through line for them, but everybody else is like, we don't understand their motives here. We don't, they won't get much of character development for yeah, them at all. And, and, and even the younger son, the younger blonder, um, like I, I wrote in my notes, uh, Ron and the Perlman. That's what I wrote about the three kids. They're all the Perlman. <laughs> um, like with his, um, you know, whenever they eventually things turn sideways and they, and um, Dwayne's like, okay, fine. You're not going to let me get to my daughter. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pray on this. And I'm going to have the creepiest voice ever tell me to protect the child. And he's not going to be, he's going to be like, is that Jeepus? Jeepus to, oh, listen to that wonderful child. child. <laughs> like, just like, you know, like Bane is telling you to protect the child, you know, like whatever. <laughs> right. Like, just, you know, like, <laughs> like, I'm just like, man, God, God's a smoker. Like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like go for the filtered cigarettes, dude. I mean, seriously, well, would it have been better? I just wish it had been even better if we would have had John Carpenter do the voice of God, you know, been like, <laughs> well, there, I, I haven't found any information that, that doesn't say that it wasn't him. I don't know. <laughs> it's just him just adding, like he's going through a processor, like, you know, being like, protect the child, you know, like, you know, <laughs> You know, uh, that would be the second smoking joke I've made in this episode of people who listen to the full invasion one. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's just like, oh, you know what? You know what? Like that does sound, that does sound like God, right? Would it also would it have been better if you would have actually heard like this angelic voice. And then when we get to the thing at the end, if it had that voice, come on, that would have been kind of amazing. No, it would have been h- h- hilarious if it was like a scream situation where it's got the modulator. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> he holds up a little voice box. Like, you know, like he's like, <clears throat> actually, my name is, uh, my name is Milton. Thanks for coming. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, save the baby, you know, whatever. Anyway, just, uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I just think that would be hilarious now. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so I like there, there. There's a practicality, and it feels very, um, it feels very Stephen Kingish in the sense of like with Dwayne having his sons, right? That two of them are all in, and one isn't. But how one of them look? You can tell is already like like um, he works for like the phone company. You can tell because he has. They don't say it, but he has the tools. Right. Like he has yeah. like the, the, yeah, the, the harness that goes around and he has the like boot the spikes, you know, all that stuff. Right. And he goes up to clip the phone wires. And then also the fact also like, you don't know when Dwayne goes to pick up his sons or we don't even know if they're still in the van this entire time. Maybe they were in the van to begin with. Um, how many guns he already has at the ready, <laughs> you know, like, so, but there's the thing too. He's like, um, you know, like, I, I like, I don't want to visit violence on them, but like, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, but like, if they, if they won't let us save her and get her out of there, then we're going to do this. And it's like, it, it's almost like the, um, look at what you made me do type of situation, right? Of like, well, if they're not going to hand her over to us, that means that we get to use violence. It's like, no, like there's other ways to do this too, but he's, he's doing that kind of like, oh, it's not my, it, it's God's will. If you make me come out guns blazing, 
type of thing that pisses me off. But I know that's the point. Well, here here's the part, too, that it's like if somebody would have just made the one call to the authorities, mm-hmm. this could have been settled right away. Yeah. If, like, why didn't the if moment Dwayne I see the van... called the cops and said, hey, yeah. dude, my my underage daughter is in this facility and they're not letting me have her back. That would immediately put the kibosh to that. Or, or you know? the moment the van shows up within 500 yards, you call the authorities because he's already in yeah. violation, right? That's that's like that, especially given the nature of how like volatile people are when it comes to these, the, you know, these family planning clinics, you know, these abortion providing clinics. I, you know, I like I, they do provide that, but but like people need to understand, like they do more than that. It isn't just like it isn't just like that's the only thing they do. They like you know that Planned Parenthood is. Planned Parenthood for a reason. They provide a number of other different services and other than that one thing. However, um, like um, I'll give you an example to you there. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, you know, the, the, the wonderful man that he is um, at the height of his powers. There was, um, uh, what was it? There was a, a doctor that did perform abortions and his last name was Tiller and Bill O'Reilly labeled him Tiller, the baby killer. And somebody oh eventually God. found this guy and murdered him. And Bill O'Reilly wasn't blamed for this. But you know what I mean? Uh, like there's that there's been so much violence visited upon these clinics and the people that work in them that, you know, you know, it just you would you would think even then in 2003 when this was done that it is sorry, 2006. Sorry, that it is smart that they clip the phone lines so that way you can keep like, you know, communication in and out. But it's almost yeah, like controlling you, the controlling yeah. the situation for sure. You'd almost think that like it would have been it would have been interesting if they call the local authorities and you see like one of them pull up and just like look at what's going on and be like, nah, and just drive away. Basically be like slow roll back. Yeah, like, basically be like, oh, it's Dwayne again, whatever. And like they're like, I don't want to get in the middle of this. You know, like you could see that kind of indifference would have been, you know, I think that would have spoke to something bigger too. You know, because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I may or may not, when I was growing up, um, had, uh, you know, situations where you, where you, where you grow up and you find out that there's a domestic situation going on and the cops pull up, they're like, oh, it's just domestic. Nah. And they just leave because <laughs> they don't want to get in the middle of it. It's like, oh, to protect and serve, but not tonight, you know? So like, uh, yeah, it just, there's a little bit here and there where it's like, man, like, you're right. Like, why weren't you immediately calling the cops, even with him calling, but at the same time, if he would have called them. I think the big thing would have been like, are you within 500 yards of the clinic? You know, like, I think that would have been the bigger thing. And I, but he also feels like the kind of guy it's like, um, I don't want to involve the authorities because clearly they were involved once and I got a restraining order against me, you know? And also he's, he's only bound by God's law, not man's law. Right. Is that, that's the kind of the vibe we get to. Well, yeah, for sure. But that's really why ultimately I'm like, if he is like, if he's not swayed by their their power and their rules, uh, I think he could easily just be like, I'm going to use this against the guys who got the restraining order against me in the first place and just get my daughter back. I did. No, like, it, it seems like it, Dwayne is like he's he's rational until he's not. Anymore. His point <laughs> of, like, of his point saying my daughter's 15, I, I have, um, you know, I have say over her. You don't is correct. Yeah. He's absolutely right about that. Right. So like. Uh, and the fact that he was like, I'll give you 15 minutes. It's like, even then that that's showing probably uh, a lot more composure than like a lot of parents would, regardless of their position, you know, like, mm. um, so I do like, I do agree that like, he's like giving them the opportunity to quote unquote, do the right thing. But also he even goes in later after shooting the doors off the place being like, you have my daughter here illegally. It's like, yeah, but now you're using guns. 
<laughs> like where, like, I don't know. Like I just, where, where's the hierarchy of like violence in terms of like, what's, what's the, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, she's here and I want her back. I'm like, yeah, but now you've actually shot a guard in the head with some of the worst uh, effects I've ever seen in a, in a show. Um, like it looked really bad. Like, like I would have preferred you pull the trigger and show the guard fall off camera versus what we saw. That was a terrible effect. Can we be honest? Yeah, that was, oh. The CG effect of like, I mean, if we, so we have the aftermath uh, uh, shot of him too on the ground. And I love how like, I don't know, a third of his brain is like blown off of his head or out of his head. But like the next scene, he's got <laughs> yeah. a full skull yeah. with just like a little bit of brain matter sitting by his face. Like, Yep. I'm like, all right, that was that's two different shots there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have easily like, there's again, there's a way to probably cut around that, but like, dear God, I just I did not like that. I was like, this is this is terrible. And then later on, with the father getting shot too, I'm like, do we need this? Do we like if you can't for as much as they spent on some of the cool practical effects, which there are, sorry, there is one really cool practical <laughs> effect in this. The rest of it, not so much, but there was one that's amazing, um, like in terms of like actual makeup and prosthetics. Uh, but the rest of it, not so much. Like, I'm like, if you don't have the money for that and you, you, you spend all the money on like, you know, on the father, the, the, the character called the father. Cool. Um, like why, why did gunshots look better in a saw in precinct 13 than here when that yeah, was it shot? Just like squibs yeah. and that's it. That's a, you don't really need anything more than squibs to get your point across. And even then, like if we are going to just start, I don't know, like taking out dudes left and right. Do we necessarily need to show that either? Like, I don't. I mean, I, I think the story. Considering be, that we're getting some gruesome things later that are more implied. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, again, I'm nitpicking, but it's frustrating. It took me out. It took me out of it, like, a little bit. So, so yeah, there's the whole thing, too. Which, by the way, did you notice that in the middle of all this, whenever we have Angelique, who clearly, in a, in a kind of a Prince of Darkness kind of way, she's going from showing that she's pregnant to full on, like, nine months of ready to pop pregnant within, what, like, an hour or so? Like, not even that. Um, there's also the other lady that was in the waiting room. They do a brief cutaway to show that they're, they're doing a procedure on her. And it's like, and that's fine. But it's like, I was really confused the first time I watched that. I'm like, like, because it's like, I didn't really identify her as a character. And I'm like, so like, it was very confusing that, that in the middle of like, Oh, this, this, this one person who was underage and her stomach is swelling in ways that oh, also our ultrasound machine got broke because of this thing. No, 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 no. We'll just take a break eat like, like some tiny sandwiches, some finger foods, and then we'll go do this other procedure. Like, did, did that make sense to you? Like, that was really confusing to me. It was a little weird, but I didn't pay too much attention to it because there was already a bunch of shit at this point that I'm like, all right, well, I, I've already, I already know what kind of ride I'm in store for. You yeah, know? yeah, a wobbly one where the wheels are about to fall off. Protect so, the baby. Protect the baby. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> save Martha. Anyways. <laughs> Anyway, uh, oh god, <laughs> you had to make the Superman v Batman reference, didn't you? <laughs> See, uh, baby. All right, so, um, but yeah, so the whole thing then we end up like I like that. Um, Dwayne's like, I'm gonna shoot this. Sorry, I'm gonna have my one son sneak in and try to tell the guard to open the gate, and then that kid didn't pull the trigger, so I'm gonna shoot the guard in the head. Um, I'm going to have my other, my other sons to shoot the gate open as opposed to being like, Hey, dumbass kid, go open the gate, you know, whatever. But I like, but no one, yeah, go ahead, please. I, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. 
here's the point in this story that I don't feel like it's very believable for the characters that we've already been, we had displayed to us. Dwayne actually gives the one son, the one son that is kind of hesitant. He actually is like, okay with him not going in and guns a blazing. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, well, cool. You know what? This We're all doing this for the right reason to save your sister. It's like, you could just sit out here, but don't let anybody leave. Yeah, like, it's the, like he the still has like, responsibility, yeah. but it's like, that's the point where I'm like, wait, Dwayne, what happened here? Like, <laughs> but but I also like that, like the son's like, I don't think I got a what's, I don't think I have a, what's in me to do this. And I'm like, which I thought that was going to be like, I thought that was going to be the turn, right? Because I thought yeah. that you know, in a way, I get the name pro life. I was like, maybe you know, maybe we're going to get like a little bit of like, you know, this isn't what I signed up for type of bit, right? With him. Um, but yeah, but like, but then at least with his father being like, you know, like, okay, fine. I understand that. Like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're a failure as a son, but don't let anybody else leave or whatever. He doesn't say failure of a son, but you could tell he's thinking it, you know, he's like, you know, look at you blonde, you know, like you're, you're not the rest of us anyway. So, um, and I thought that he was going to throw deuces and leave, man. Yeah. Like when I, when we see the family trying to make their the, escape, yeah, the other family, which, the father, the, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they're, they're making a, a, you know, a, you know, a shot for the car and all of a sudden there's the boy still like still outside. It's like, I forgot about him at this point. I was like, <laughs> it was like there is absolutely no character development with this kid whatsoever See, other than this yeah. pure emotional moment where he's telling his dad, like, yeah, I'm not a murderer. And I, that was pretty much, I, I think it had been even better where like, as they run outside, you realize that he is the father of the, that kid, that, that girl's baby. And it's like, they're all just getting the car and they haul ass out. Like, that would have been amazing. Be like, you know, whatever her name is, like, you know, Starla, you let's get out of here. Whatever this, like I'll leave. That'd been amazing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just, I did, whatever that was, that didn't play out very well. Um, also, we forgot to mention earlier, uh, whenever Angelique is telling, telling, um, the powers that be, it's like, Oh God, it's God's will for you to kill my baby. You're like, Oh, well, that's a thing. That's kind of weird. But anyway, so yeah, fast forward. He gave now. me a doctor's note. Yeah. Um, you can go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, don't ignore the, ignore the loud voice out there talking around Perlman. Um, <laughs> did you hear that? I think it said protect the baby. Uh, yeah. Um, so then that's like, I like that eventually I like that whenever, um, uh, I, you know, Dwayne and company go to get into the compound, like the compound, get into the clinic. They have no problem shooting the gate open, but when they get to the front door, they're like, there has to be another way. And I'm like, you literally just shot a gate. Why are like, you hesitating? There like a big window right yeah, there too. But it's like, like I, but it's like, but like, it was, but it's like the whole thing is like, why are you hesitating not shooting the door right now? Cause you've already shot a gate. You know, like you're, cause there's the line, like one of the lines I like of this, it's, it's just a cool line is, um, what it says, noise doesn't matter. Speed does. That's a cool line when he tells his yeah. kids like, but at this point it's like our cover's blown. We got to get this done. I thought that, I thought that yeah, was a and, cool and, line. And, like, and this, uh, and that also gives like kind of a, a little bit more character to Dwayne too. It, it makes me think that might be, he, he might be ex special forces or something like that. And, you know, he has like a bunker where his kids have always been prepared for this moment kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that feels, yeah, it feels like he's been one of those people that's been like, cause also this, the license plate's Oregon, right? So like you're, you know, it, there, there's some, not to get too far into it, but Oregon has a lot of roots and like, um, 
like very much white nationalist racist history, if I recall. Yeah, doomsday preppers and yeah, stuff. Now, right? But there's a lot of like, you know, yeah. So it's very I, I'm gonna guess that they put Oregon plates on the, the vehicle because of a shooting in Vancouver, <laughs> you know. But if you if you really want to get into the history, I think Oregon was a state that was pretty much created by a bunch of white people that didn't that didn't want to deal with others, you know. So yeah, anyway. Uh yeah, with him, you're gonna guess he's probably a strict father. <laughs> you know, like uh you know, we're anyway, like you can't listen to that rock and roll. You can't like, you know, like the fact that the daughter was reading Moby Dick is probably questionable enough just because of the title of the book when we get to her flashback. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, let's talk about that flashback real quick. Where her telling um the, the people at the clinic of what happened to her, how she was just was eating ice cream and listening to records, because it was like cause clearly she was living in nineteen sixty-three versus two thousand six, um, doing homework, you know. Anyway, and then she got bored and was not focused. She went outside to the swing set and then um, a demon burst through the ground and just like uh, impregnated her. What? What? I, I don't, I what? don't understand like this, uh, I, this, I, I guess it's like a montage thing of like what she probably experienced. And like, is that just a lava lamp with like a filter <laughs> over it? Like what, what's going on here? <laughs> Like, what is that? <laughs> I just, I was just one of those things. It's like, I, I guess on the surface of like, you're just going to go outside and just hang out for a second and look at the stars and like, you know, um, the hands at the end of evil dead reach up and grab you. Right. Like I get it. Right. Like they burst out uh, and they pull you underground. It's like that. I mean, they, yeah, it, that's going to be a bad day in real life for anybody, but it's just like, it just like it, it doesn't track for me with, the religious devotion, the, like the very much like super, like, you know, like, um, evangelical like type devotion that Dwayne has that something like that would happen. And then him be like, not believe her and then be like, Oh, you got pregnant a week ago. I need to protect this baby. Like, wouldn't it, I, I don't know, man. Like, wouldn't it feel better? It, like not feel better, but wouldn't it play better if it was more like, like, um, if it was less uh, violent and he would view it as like a Virgin Mary scenario to protect the baby. And, and I, I feel like it, some of the story is kind of rooted in, in that idea, but I, then it just goes off the rails pretty quick from that. And it's just o overall hatred for the fact that she's at this clinic and he knows what they do. Like that's really yeah. like, that is the main priority now. It's like just to prevent them from getting the baby. Well, it's just and like, it's like, I just, if, if, like if her, if she would have told the story without showing the, the actual flashback where we know what happened, mm -hmm. I think that would have been more interesting to create like this moment of doubt because the, 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 was it Alex and company believe that she was actually accosted by her father. Right. Like I think we could have left that seed of doubt where it was, where like he could have been adamant that like, it's a miracle from God. And I was told to protect the baby and, and, you know, and it's like, but no, we had to see this actual demonic thing happen to her. So we have no doubt that what's going on like within her is evil. Aside from the whole, like, you know, belly breaking, you know, the ultrasound wand shit. You know what I mean? Like, right. wouldn't it have been better to play a little bit more ambiguous with that just for a minute? I don't know. I, I think that would be a little bit more uh, entertaining, I guess. It would, it would, but it's like. I, it, the fact that we're getting something that is so balls to the wall now, it's, it's like, I think they were really hoping that people would be like, oh my God, this is nuts. And they just like are there for a spectacle. 
you know? Yeah, but fair enough. But then, uh, as the assault starts happening on, you know, assault on a clinic 13, um, and then breaking in and whatever, and there's the showdown with, uh, Dr. Guns, which, you know, I, I like that. He's like, Oh, all right, here we go. And he goes to his, like his like safe and opens up and pulls out two guns and a vest, which, um, I, you know what? Like, I'm not like, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me considering the nature of work that they're in that even, even Dwayne later calls out. He's like, Oh, you have guns. You were expecting this. It's like, like not expecting, but hoping it would never happen. You know, I think there's a difference yeah, there. Right? I, I feel like, yeah, Dwayne, you remember that, uh, you know, that restraining order thing. I think you, you started this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah. There's a little bit I think of a it's when yeah. when I when I had to start dealing with you is when I got my uh you know my uh yeah. my when, registration when I, when I got my you know I got my permit to carry right yeah you know so yeah <laughs> um but then I, during this time though the other okay so the next part where I was like okay I don't know about this episode is whenever they went to go uh, what was it um, Sam was it not Sam um the, uh, the was it Sam because um, Alex is the other person uh, sorry Kim Kim is the other uh, person the other part the partner that we see when she goes to check on the dilation of Angelique and she gets, um, slimed. <laughs> I lost it, dude. I just absolutely, I'm like, what is this? A guar music video? Like what the hell is going on in here? <laughs> oh, Odorous is right in between her legs. Like, oh. if there was any, if there was any more goo going on, I would have expected an orange flag from double dare to fly out. And you had to grab it and hand it on to the next person. <laughs> Mark Summers is on the side. <laughs> and then try to keep his distance yeah, from all of it. Yeah, and while, while, while uh, Kim's like, it burns, it burns. Like, no, hand it off, hand it off to Alex. So you can go run and run through the big <laughs> ear. So you can go on. It's fine. Like it is. It is so it was, so stupid. It is so stupid. It was an abnormal amount of whatever was in. Like I just love the uh, Angelique's like response too. She just kind of looks down. She's like, "Oh, well, look at that." I mean, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I if I let that much out of me, I'd probably be like, "Whew, all right." Like somebody somebody light a match. I'm good for a minute. Whatever. It's you know, um, yeah, yeah. It, this was just, like I, if there was a a part to honestly go laugh out loud that was this part right here and i think it just like it it takes away from the tension so much because like we just saw people get murdered on the screen yeah and all of a sudden this scene happens this is just so comical at this point yeah <laughs> like, we forgot the there was hell? the showdown where one of the other sons gets shot in the neck and whatever it's fine but like but then we cut to this and it was like oh like what is going on and then but also too whenever um like kim's like it burns it burns it burns and then like, like a couple minutes later, she's fine. I'm like, like we didn't see like any type of like makeup effects. Like how, how much more interesting would have been? Like basically she's blinded now for life because of whatever just happened. Whatever. Yeah. yeah I, good. I, I mean, yeah. Cause yeah. Why not? Cause you have everywhere to go with this story now at yeah. this point. Like at this point, everything's out still on the table. Yeah, every, every, <laughs> yeah. Everything's gone. Right. Like everything's so stupid. Right. So. So yeah, that happened. Uh, but yeah, so whatever's inside her, like whatever the, the baby's coming and, uh, but then, but then talking about the pacing, this is whenever, um, you know, Dwayne goes into, um, oh, the doctor's office, uh, um, Dr. Um, Kiefer, right. And he, after, cause Kiefer's already got shot in like his good hand and whatever. He had the bull poop breast, blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, Dwayne's like, no, 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 no. They, they, he starts monologuing. He's like, I have to punish you. It's like, I thought your goal was to save your daughter. 
right? Like he's incapacitated, but no, you're going to make this a spectacle. And it's like, and I get that. It's like, he's having, like, he believes he's God's wrath and the way the whole sequence is gross and upsetting. And like, you know, not dissimilar to Udo Kier and cigarette burns. Like when we find him feeding his intestines into the, the film reels, into the projector, we get something like this too. So you can tell Carpenter's having fun with this. And, if if the pacing wasn't so off and like if you're worried about your daughter if you're if you're this character that you're worried about your daughter having an abortion and ending a life do you think you would like stop for a side quest you know what i mean like i don't know it feels weird to, like it just feels like maybe if you cared about your daughter which i'm not doubting then you think that would be your focus as opposed to no i'm going to punish this guy Right, like and, so, it feels I, weird I mean, to it's me. It's like, what did they have? Like the room that she's in, soundproof? Because she's oh, thank you. screaming thank you. bloody thank you. murder um, at this point. Th- this too. clinic isn't so big, right? That the noises coming out of that room for everybody screaming and panicking. I'm sorry, like you had to have heard that, like at some point, right? Like unless uh, unless that room is like two miles away, which it's not, right? You would think you would have heard something. Um, because yeah, cause she is in utter pain. Also, you got, um, the one attendant, you know, goo covered <laughs> screaming. Um, you have everybody else like, like you think it would have been pretty easy to figure out where she was stored, like where she was being kept at in terms of like, you have your offices, then you probably have your procedure rooms nearby. Like, so yeah, you're right. The sound, the sound in this is weird that like, um, yeah, you think you would have heard it. Right. Cause yeah. And, and, yeah. and it's like, but like you may, you put it perfectly. Like the fact that, uh, Dwayne, it has this, like this moment, like this is the, this is where I have to prove a point now. Like I'm in this torture chamber that you guys have here or whatever the hell he calls it. It's like, mm-hmm. but that you completely like, like your whole mission here was to get your daughter. Then suddenly that's just now not important. <laughs> like, yeah. where is she? She's probably getting the procedure done, quote unquote, from what he understands. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, there should have been more of a sense of urgency. You were just blowing doors apart. Like, <laughs> no, you're right. Like, if the whole thing is like, if if the if the doctor is an obstacle because he has guns and is trying to keep you away from her, but you now he's you now know he's incapacitated. Okay, move on. Right. Like yeah, now know. he's just spiking the ball. Like it's, just yeah. like, <laughs> and, but then the whole thing, stabbing it. yeah, Ooh. but, but also too, it's like, you know, like him, I, like, I know that, okay. I know this is neither here nor there. Um, uh, Dwayne's character, um, is oddly, um, knowledgeable about these procedures and how to use older equipment to complete evacuations and abortions. Right. So I'm just like, man, what, how much did like, like, what did you learn on the internet? Like, how much do you know about this? Right. But it's like, so yeah, the whole thing, but also credit to Carpenter, the way he shot this, like you don't see, um, you don't see the immediate, the, like the intimate violence, but there's enough implied, especially when we get like the collection tube, right. Whatever's going on. Like that's all fun and gross in terms of like fun as in, um, you're, you're, it's a gross moment. It's a gore, right? Like it, it's like gleeful in terms of like Dwayne's delivering judgment. So you could tell Carpenter was having a good time with this. It's just that in terms of the edits, in terms of the storytelling, I'm like, it just doesn't, it doesn't ring true to me. Cause it would have been, I don't know. Like if you wanted to have that moment, 
and I'm not saying that you couldn't have done that in terms of a story and make it upsetting and very, um, very appropriate. Maybe frame it differently. I don't know how, I, I don't know how you get to that moment in terms of the ticking clock scenario of this girl that even though Dwayne doesn't know that whatever's going on with her is accelerating. I'm going to guess like from, from um, the week before when the demon got to her and, uh, you know, raped her till now, he probably saw a physical difference and been like, Oh, like women get pregnant and like they give birth in like the, uh, 10 days. Like I know I have four children. I mean, you know, maybe who knows, you know, like you think he'd be aware of the process. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. Four kids have probably gotten you there by this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, oh, that blonde kid just took three weeks. I don't know. He's I, just, I think there should be like a super cut of this episode and it would just like, like, I think it would feel like the, the tightness would feel a little bit better, you know? And yeah. I don't mean that. No, no. Pun. If you, uh, if you would uh, cut this where it would be, um, almost from the jump where you don't even need the bit of her running through the woods. You don't even need the car bit, right? You could just have her, um, like, you know, already at the clinic. And you don't you don't know the relationship between the the two people because it does not pay off whatsoever, um, and have her looking at the van being like, "Don't let him in," and then cut to cut out like if there's a way to cut around um, the one woman in the waiting room because it doesn't matter, uh, and then cut around like best you can with the family, and then the moment um, the doctor is incapacitated, and then you can even have like you know Dwayne be like, "Oh, your your shooting hand," you know, like, "Oh, sucks to be you." You, you you could have had something a little bit more um, urgent. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I like. I, I think that's like there, there, there's something here. There is, um, there's some decent bones to this. Right. But like, it's very frustrating, but then, yeah. So he takes his time. He sucks the guts out of the one doctor. It's gross. But then in the meantime, we have Angelique giving birth to the, the to whatever this is, uh, to, um, what was it? I just red lobsters, lobster fest or whatever is going on. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like, crab, crab I just like the crab legs that come up or whatever the hell they are. Yeah, like by the way, kind of that, that, That's kind of cool. That moment's it's kind, kind of, of cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I, but, but considering what comes out, what we see after, that's not cool. Uh, but that's, that brief bit, <laughs> that brief bit of like the like the legs, like that's very um, upsetting in terms of like what that could be, right? Like, um, but then when we eventually get like the actual baby, that is one of the dumbest designs I've ever seen ever. <laughs> If it would have been just insectoid, like I, I would have been cool with that. I mean, well, I think one of the most terrifying movies in cinema or moments in cinema is when, uh, you know, we get um, the fly and Gina Davis's character gives birth to the oh, maggot. maggot. It's a dream sequence, uh, but it's terrifying. Yeah, it, it is. It's yeah. nightmare inducing. Yeah. Like it's shit. If we would have gotten, if they me. would actually just cut to the image of the head walking away on the stalks from the thing, I'd have been way happier. It'd been fine. You know, like. Um, but no, it's just like, it was, you, you chose to do something that was like a, um, creepy crawly lobster thing with a baby's head. It's like, okay, maybe on paper in terms of writing that out, that'd be cool. But it's like, oh, you gotta tell me that when you're working on the effects, you're like, I don't know, man. Like, like when did Toy Story come out? This feels like one of the toys that Sid built, you know, like one of the (laughs) shitty, shitty, shitty Sid toys. You know, like it's just like I, I think I think uh, Toy Story came out prior to this. It did, actually. it did. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm just like, oh my gosh, like Sid, Sid's the father. I don't know. Like, <laughs> that, that was their homage to Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the way the thing runs away, like you could tell that they're they're like you could tell Carpenter was framing a little bit like the thing with uh, the head monster, right? 
Um, and then even later on when we ended up getting a uh, Darbont doing something, something similar with one of the spiders from, um, and the mist, right? Like you get that vibe, but that doesn't work. This thing doesn't work. And it's gross. It's, it's gross in the sense of like, I'm good. I'm, I don't need to see this ever again. But the, the brief moment when you see the actual, like, um, like crab or insect legs coming out, that is upsetting, right? It is it's just that like you, you set up something and you didn't pay it off at all. Like it's very, ugh. anyway. So, um, so yeah, the kid's born, whatever it is. Um, and the wall, it scur- scurries away. Um, I also like too, that the, that's was it Sam and Alex, like they hightail it out of the room. Cause he's like, I got to protect the, the, the hot piece of ass. Cause she, she's on, she got covered in goo. Well, I mean twice that day. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Anyway, so um, so yeah, like he's like, oh no, the f this 15 year old girl and the thing she's going through. I gotta protect my uh, my side piece over here. Um, so so that happens, but then meanwhile, uh, we hear this like rumbling and this thunder, and uh, Angelique's like, oh, the father's here. And so we ended up getting the, the, was it the escort gentleman that like not escort, but like he's the, the valet for the people in the clinic, like, which is an important job. Like you, if there's people protesting, if there's people being assholes, like you want somebody there to kind of be like, ignore them. I'm going to put you in this wheelchair. We're going to go and get out. Just ignore them. But that's an important job. Doug is an idiot though. Um, well, like Doug is a dumbass. Um, the floor breaks open, which is a kind of okay a moment, right? And then Doug's like, oh shit, there's a hole in this floor and there's like smoke coming out of it. I guess I better walk up to it. <laughs> Doug is a dumbass. Like Doug gets taken out pretty quickly here. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very evil dead style. <laughs> you know, just like gone. Right. Like, so then, so then we get, we get the character of the father. We get Derek Mears in full on prosthetics and he, he pops up out of this hole out of the floor and he, whatever this is, it's the best looking practical makeup prosthetic effect in the whole episode. It is a cool design. Yeah, kind of demonistic minotaur. Um, it's pretty sweet looking, you know. I, and it, I mean, it, it it has some uh, movement to the yeah the articulation because the, the eyes move yeah. too, like the actual eyes yeah. move, and like it's a it's it's a cool looking thing, right? And it's like oh. You're going to be disappointed in your child because it looks nothing like you. But anyway, so um, <laughs> yeah, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Like I'm not a crab person, and then you see like the crab guy scuttling away, like you know, like, uh, you know, um, I don't know what that means, but so that's that Jerry Springer here. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zoidberg is the father, not uh, not you, um, gentlemen. But <laughs> so then we eventually get like uh Dwayne and the one son that who's alive and that's not the blonde um you know the the not the not the you know the one he's upset about and saddened with the one son left and they're like oh like they come in and they think that the procedure was completed but then they they figure out there's like they hear the baby and 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 Dwayne's like protect the baby protect the baby and then the one son's like oh i saw the baby nah i'm out <laughs> like he's like Nah, I know it's my nephew, but that's way too many legs for a nephew. I got to go. Like, so he, you know, and so he wants to leave. Uh, but I also like, do, like, do they understand that like Angelique is like, she looks like she's like playing dead. But then when they look away, she opens her eyes, which is like the dumbest thing possible. I don't like that too. It's like, oh, are you dead? Uh, don't, don't take her away, God. And it's like, they didn't actually bother to see if she was alive or not. 
And then she opens her eyes when they're not looking. Like it's like a Nickelodeon like sitcom or some shit. I just it was annoying. Yeah, it was, it was pretty silly. But at this point now, she's got to try anything she can to. I mean, because the father and then her father, like who knows what's going to be next here. It's, but, al- uh, it's always tough to meet like you know the other parents, right? You know, yeah. like just whenever <laughs> you know, you always got to worry about the in laws. So that's tough. But, but yeah, like she says, like the father of my baby's like showing up and then Dwayne's like, what do you mean? He looks down and sees like, you know, like for someone that's supposed to protect the baby and is supposed to love the baby unconditionally, he suddenly has questions. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> he'd be like, we don't have as many crab legs in our family as this baby does. But yeah, he's like, Oh, what's going on? And he's like questioning God and God's will and all this stuff. And it's like, Oh, now you have a crisis of faith not when you shot somebody innocently and then also vacuum the guts out of somebody's like, butt, like, like two minutes ago. Right. Like, Oh no, no. Oh, like I'm the bad guy. Now you're traumatized. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So then he runs into the father and the father's like, you know, protect the baby. And he's like, Oh, Oh, it was, I was lied to him. Like no shit, idiot. You know, so which and then he must have he must have gotten dispatched because we don't see anything. No, we but. don't. Which like it took me till the second time through. I'm like, did he die? I'm like, yeah, he died. But for all the times we've seen violence not shown well on screen, the one person that we probably shot should have seen getting dispatched properly, we didn't. Right? Yeah. Which I find curious because I mean he straight up was just murdering people with with no concerns whatsoever. Yeah, and then we don't get to see even the bit like a bit of violence towards him from this creature thing. Yeah, it seems. I weird. think that should have been his comeuppance that we should have gotten here. Yeah, it's know? almost it's almost like he should have been the one taken by the the demon that been like I suddenly know how to use all this equipment. <laughs> You know, like whatever. Anyway, uh, but yeah. So then we end up having the bit where Angelique's like trying to call the baby over. She has a gun. And it's like, like, that's a really messed up sequence. Like in terms of like, if you think about it, it, it doesn't play well. Um, this should be, this should be the emotional hammer of the sequence of the whole episode. Right. Of her, even though like she believes that God's calling to kill her baby, this is her baby. And she's calling it over and this thing's making goo goo gaga noises and skittering over because, you know, it's crab leg day and she shoots it point blank and kills it. There should be, um, something a lot more remote. I, I, I should feel devastated that this is happening and it, it's not there. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't ring true at all. It, it seems to be played that way, but I don't get that. That's what, I, like, that's I don't what get, I'm saying. Like, like, there's, the way it's no, written, there's nothing emotional it, for it me. It should be least. devastating, but it's not, right? Yeah. Like, it should be, it, like, you know, yeah. And we got, like, you know, the demon creature thing coming in. He's like, roar, roar. And he picks up the baby. But the fact that, that the, the, the father picks up the baby and actually, like, does, like, like it, it's treating it gently and actually kind of, like, like upset that it's dead. Yeah, it's, is, he's like it, it's stroking this yeah, thing. That too. actually, to me, is like that's even like sadder, and like that that plays a little bit, a little bit to me, right? Versus her, but then it just leaves, and it's like, oh, all right, well, you're Credits. gone now. Uh, no, but it's it. like it's over. not even that. No, well, not no, not that. We get Alex and Kim coming back, and they're like, oh shit, we forgot. Like you know, this 15 year old girl that you just like just spit out a crab baby, whatever, right? Like just like hey. Um, how are you doing? She's like, God's will is done. And it's like, 
we're done. I'm like, what? What? Oh, no, 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 no. There's the other. There's the other person that was working there with the other patient that's in the corner that saw Doug die. We don't see what happened to them. Um, we don't like. We don't get even a brief moment. Like we like. I know sometimes like just leaving a story where it is is like way better. But it would have been like, I don't know, man. Like considering how random um, the impregnate, you know, impregnating like a 15 year old and then creating like the situation is, it's like, don't you think the father's like, oh shit, man, oh, it's a day it ends in Y. I guess I'll try again later. Like, it just like, why was this the one time this happened? You know, like it just feels like, oh, well, this baby didn't make it because somebody shot it. Guess I'll just try again. Like there should be something a little bit more I mean, everybody, everybody's never going to be good again, right? Like nobody's going to walk away from this feeling good about themselves, right? But well, no, I mean, it's especially uh, you know a couple of these characters, uh, bla- where they bled out on the ground. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of carnage here. That if any of the authorities show up too, they're going to be like, "What the hell happened?" Like, I feel like this is when Carpenter should have taken a page out of the fog, where everything was done, but the the very last minute you have. Um, the priests come back out into like, you know, the main part of the church and then the ghosts show up because it's like, they, they're still owed a debt, right? Like you need that, that moment of like, oh, things are okay, but not for everybody. I don't know, man. Like there's, there was, there was something here that was just missing a little bit of that. Like, you know, like that, this, again, this isn't Carpenter's script, but the kind of like the, um, F you moment. And as much as we know, emotionally, no one's going to be right. Rightfully so. There right. wasn't that like, there wasn't that knife twist at the end. You know what I mean? Like that was frustrating to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll get into like the other bits here. I, how do you feel like this compares to like things that he shot in his past? Like, especially considering cigarette burns, how do you feel like that the comparison those two sit with you? Um, again, I'm going to, I'm going to put it at the feet of the, the screenwriters of the, both of them that like, I'm not saying that, um, the, both of them, like McWeeny and Swan didn't have good ideas because cigarette burns is a really, it's a really fun idea. And in terms of like exploring, like, like, you know, taboo cinema and also the juxtaposition of naming a piece pro-life when you're like the different things pulling at it, that's a really cool idea in terms of like exploring the social and the emotional side of things. But it's like, it just where I feel like cigarette burns is like polished in terms of a story. Um, this isn't. And I feel like this, like considering also too, like if, if you got the green light in the go ahead from John Carpenter in season one, that you, that they, they, that he liked your script and then you're going to pitch him an idea. I don't know, man, I don't know about you, but it's like, wouldn't you like double down to make it like the greatest goddamn thing in the world? Well, you know? yeah. I mean, especially like when you have like, and I considered um, cigarette burns a, a really interesting and uh, you know, it was a good watch, you know, um, the storyline was tight and I thought it was, it was just, it was an interesting watch, but like, yeah, when you have something like that, wouldn't you want to set the bar a little higher for yourself? Like, yeah, I, I think this story compared to cigarette burns is, a little lacking. Oh no, it, and, it is. And it's like, it's, just, <laughs> it's like, and it's like, kind of a mess. It, it is a mess. Um, and it's very wobbly and uneven. And, and also to like, just what, what is interesting to me about this is like, 
looking at the notes here from um, the book, um, we'll get into this, like I talked about the book earlier, that the the same situation happened with Carpenter where it was like a tight ske- like shooting schedule. Uh, he got the people he wanted. Like he had a lot of fun. Like it was a very easy shoot for him. Meaning we, we've talked about in times past where sometimes there's difficulties, whatever. Um, he didn't, he came away with, with the same type of like, yeah, it was, it was, you know what? I had a good time with this. And then whenever this one came out and people were kind of trashing it, he was like, well, you know what? Like, I don't see the same things you do. Like I walked away from both experiences, like feeling fulfilled and whatever. Like, I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, if you would have told me that this is a carpenter directed thing or, um, insert TV director here, it would have been a coin flip. And that's, that's very sad to me. It is. And it's like, you know, maybe him just kind of staring down at his, uh, you know, his punch card, knowing that he was going to be kind of for the most part done directing. I mean, you know, we have the ward coming after this, but, but like really even that, like I, I turned that movie off. Like I just didn't feel like it felt as much of a carpenter film as well, a lot of it. There's reasons for that. We'll get to that the next time we cover that, but like, but yeah, um, I could yeah. like, like just this even compared to cigarette burns. I, I feel like there was something really lacking here in, in, in style and ex and execution with the, the, the film. This is the definition of a B side, right? Like yeah. you got like, you know, cigarette burns is the A side. This is the B side where maybe you wanted it to kind of like noodle around and like maybe find something a little different. It didn't quite work out. Fair enough, but it's like, um, I just, <laughs> knowing the creative talent behind it and the potential for it, um, and again, I you know, like, who knows how many revisions the script went through? I don't think many, <laughs> you know what I mean? Considering the tight time frame, um, I'm really, and also like, like um, the father effects are amazing. Why does the baby look like shit? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it, it looks terrible. Like, it I, looks... yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was just too much going on for the, the effects crew in that. And they, 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 <laughs> that they had... like, they're like, your effects crew, like your effects budget is like, you know what? $200,000. They're like, Hey, we spent $195,000 on uh, the father. They're like, Oh, well you have the rest of the, well, I guess we got some legs. I'm like, oh, okay. I, great. I, 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 what it honestly <laughs> felt like with that, with that sculpt, is yeah. that they had something that they were going to use for another production and they just took a baby, like a, a mannequin head or something and put it on it. Like I'm, you tell you listener, you look at that thing and tell me I'm wrong because it is an amalgamation of only two things, a baby doll head and a freaking bug. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so frustrating. Right. So, so yeah, um, I am I am not a fan of this. Um, so, uh, with that being said, um, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. It's interesting that um, that the the gentleman that wrote this book, Assault on the System, is actually a little bit more. Um, he is a little bit more favorable to this. We're saying there are some good ideas, and also credit to Carpenter um, addressing the 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 topic of abortion head on. Credit, credit to that. Like he's never shied away from a social issue, right? Let's be fair. And he has his own politics, his own like positions. And also you mentioned, uh, Ron Perlman Dwayne where, um, yeah, he eventually goes too far, but in terms of the early going, he's not painted as like a, a complete lunatic, which, um, 
that would be the easy thing to do. And the, the promo could have easily been, like, you, you know, he's capable of being like over the top and chewing scenery, which we love him for that, but that's not what he does here. And I think there's some credit to be had that I'm not saying he's sympathetic. I'm just saying that, um, he is relatable. If that makes sense. Like when I, when I mentioned him being more of like a King character, like a Stephen King character where it's like, Oh shit, this guy, this guy is, um, not, He's not good, but you understand where he's coming from. Now, I'm not saying you give him permission, but you understand. So I think right. there's something he's to be given, said there. He's given enough motivation and enough uh, backstory to just kind of be like, okay, I could see this person really existing in the real world and understand why they would do the things, but mm-hmm. not really justify their reasons for doing yeah. it. So but, that that's the strength, right? But like overall, my God, watching this twice was... Uh, no, nah, two times too many. I just, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, no. So, all right. So then, um, um, before, like, I, I will get into a little bit of history here, like after this leading into, uh, the final edition of the year of Carpenter that we'll get into an invasion of the podcast. But, um, so, um, I know normally on the show we do a twist rating. I don't think that's applicable here because you said you saw this before or whatever. Like there's no twist here. It is, it's just mean all the way down, which is fine, but it just, I don't know. It just felt for something that was trying to play it so straight faced, but then we ended up getting like what we got. It just, the, the tone, like there I'm frustrated because I can see what could have been versus what we got. And that's where I'm frustrated because I know what Carpenter is capable of. And I know like when he collaborates with people, what, what is capable of. And even with this being a, like, by the way, like let's, let's, let's rewind the clock back a little bit. Um, when he made, um, um, they live and, um, Prince of darkness, those were both $2 million budgets, film budgets at the time. This was 1.8 million for TV. Wow. Um, but it, granted 1.8 million, like later is not as much as it was for like, you know, in terms of inflation, Think about that for a second, right? What I'm saying is like, there is a stark difference in terms yeah. of those two. As much as like, I love They Live. It's I don't. I think the third act's a little kind of like abrupt. And Prince of Darkness, I love as well. But I feel like they're like they're not they're not my favorite Carpenter products. But I really really like them a lot, right? But considering that he was able to work in a lower budget medium, and Cigarette Burn speaks to that too, right? But it's like, just think about that too. It's like. You know, you know, he can make, he can stretch, stretch a dollar. And just seeing this, it's like, uh, I guess where I come down on this, where I'm, I'm more frustrated at knowing what he's capable of doing when he like, not when he gives a shit, that's not the right thing I want to say, but like, I don't know. Like, I feel like this was him being like, I, yeah, I'll take, I'll take a vacation up and, va- and like, I know I'm not making money off of this, but I'm going to have, like, I, I like the story. Uh, it's going to be fun. I like the actors. Let's just have a good time. Nothing against him. I'm sure this was probably a fun shoot to be a part of. I'm sure the day of the goo shooting would, was fun. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like I'm sure everybody was having a good time um, to be a fly on the wall, be a good time. But it's like, I don't think that translates to this. And that is very disappointing. Yeah. The ingredients were there and we all wanted more of them. But, you know, it's like then when we finally put it in the oven, it came out half done. It, so. came out, it came out a, a spider baby. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, but yeah, they, they can't all be winners, man. And I will say that John Carpenter is one of my favorite directors of all time. Um, 
he has a weird career um, yeah. <laughs> in yes. the outfit. Yeah. So, so that's, that's fair. So let me, let me just speak to a couple things here that um, is, are, are interesting to me that I did not know. So then, um, so after, before pro-life came out, um, because of the, the, the critical success of cigarette burns, he was actually approached to um, do a TV pilot written by uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Winnick titled Zombieland uh, in 2005. Cause that was originally envisioned as a TV pilot. And then eventually it was like, nah, maybe we should make that into a movie. And he walked away from it. Think about that for a second. That's interesting. I, yeah. I had no idea that that was supposed to be something they were gearing to do, do for television first. Yeah. Hmm. Um, because I think also the, oh, did they go on to do, um, those guys, I think they wrote Deadpool. Um, and there's something else coming out soon that they, they, they are, um, they, they've gone on to do other things too, but yeah, zombie lamb was going to originally be, it was written for TV. I know originally it was also after the movie came out, there was a pitch for Amazon to make it a TV series. There's like, like what 10 pilots people voted on and it, it didn't go past that. But yeah, the idea that like Carpenter was like, um, earmarked to do, to direct zombie land as like this TV pilot, that would have been interesting. But anyway, and then, in 2007, a production company called Gold Circle Films approached John with the script uh, by a Adam Simon and Tim Meg Metcalf called The Haunting in Connecticut. He passed on it, um, which that's not a great movie. Um, but the reason I mentioned that to you, Terry, can I tell you the worst sequel title ever I've ever heard of in my life that came out from The Haunting in Connecticut? Hit me. Do you, do you know the sequel name for The Haunting in Connecticut? Uh, I don't know. Okay. And t tell me the problem with this when I tell you the name. <clears throat> the Haunting in Connecticut 2, Ghosts of Georgia. Well, yeah. <laughs> it says it right in the title. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that title. And my, like, do you ever have one of those moments where you feel like you got like a nosebleed and you're like, oh, God, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, so then, um, before we get like, like, so the last thing I'll mention here, um, um, like, like, cause I was working at Blockbuster when, uh, Haunting in Connecticut part two, Ghost of Georgia came out and I just wanted to vomit blood. It was just the title <laughs> made me so mad. It made me so mad. Uh, uh, new image and Millennium films were all set to produce a film, uh, which was retitled as rise. Um, sorry, riot. Not cause I can't read riots. Um, uh, which was a prison film where it was supposed to be, it was originally called scared straight where like, like a scared straight program was going through a prison and then like a ride happened. And there was a young innocent child that was like stuck in the middle of things. And one prisoner was like, I'm going to protect this kid. And that, that kid that, sorry, that prisoner was supposed to be Nicholas cage. Right. Um, hmm. it was supposed to be like this thing. It was like greenlit originally. It was renamed to riot. A teaser poster was unveiled in November, 2008, uh, promising a 2009 release. Uh, by October 2009, the project was officially dead in the water. So we almost got a prison riot film with Nick Cage directed by John Carpenter. Christ in heaven, I need that film so badly. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think it sounds so interesting that I wonder how that really would have looked and how it would have right? turned out. Just, I, I just, I want it. I want to bring it to me now. But anyway, so yeah, that's where we're at. We're, um, so in terms of, um, you know, year carpenter uh, on invasion of the podcast. We have one more thing to get to, which is the word. We'll get to it in like a month or so. And we're going to wrap up the year. Uh, but yeah, I, Terry, thank you uh, for um, digging in. Cause I know we talked about cigarette burns like two years ago. 
I think this was the, I think you were the right person to talk about the bookend in terms of master of horror, um, and getting into it and giving it the strange highways treatment. Um, you know, um, good, bad, otherwise, like, thank you. And I appreciate the, the journey. Uh, so. dude, I, I knew it was going to be fun either way. Uh, you know, it's always a good time talking to you about film, uh, and just especially John Carpenter. It's like, we obviously have such a, an appreciation for his work that I, I think it would be, it, it would be remiss of us to like, at least not get into the other episode for masters of horror and which I'm still a uh, game to get into more masters of horror for our other, for oh, our for sure. No, no. Cause you recommended like when I was listening to the, I was just recently listening to the episode you recommended the episode pelts, which I, I think involves like a coat of raccoon skins or something. Like I need to get into that. That sounds Meat, meatloaf is in it. It's a, yeah, it's that's a, what you said. You said meatloaf. So I was like, I'm in like, I'm down. So yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's other things, the master horrors that we should get into. There's a lot of other, um, anthology stuff that we should get into because we deserve a little bit of a break, uh, from our time, um, from getting through the first season of the eighties iteration of the twilight zone. That was a marathon. And by marathon, I mean three marathons. It was a lot. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, people, uh, I hope you enjoyed, um, the, the, the year carpenter talk. Um, uh, I realized that it's a little out of order, uh, because Steve and I, we talked about Escape from New York a couple of years ago when we were doing the year of the knockoff because we did that in the Bronx Warriors. So the chronology's off, but we've covered the bulk between uh, Steve, myself, and everybody else I've brought on. We've covered the bulk of Carpenter with the ward coming next month. It's been it's been a wonderful journey. And I'm glad that um that I'm finally able to, like, with the exception of the other two films I mentioned, I will get to. For one of my favorite uh, creator, creative people, directors, to finally be able to say that I've watched all of their output um, in terms of their direct war output. I know there's other things they've written, screenplays for that got produced, whatever. Um, it's it's a big thing. It's like it's it's it, it's kind of shitty to say that like one of your favorite directors and you've not watched all of their stuff. That feels like not. It's not. It's not like removing street cred, but you know what I mean, like. Like you, like if you if you dig somebody, just why why wouldn't you, right? Yeah, it feels like your work is incomplete. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely gotten into conversations with you and watched things that I have never seen before of his career, and it is just a it's a real treat to find something else that I like of his, yeah, like, uh, I mean, his filmography. I, I, I know that you and I like maybe you weren't as in love with vampires, but it's a fun film, right? So I'm glad that you got to it, you know, and like. I, I think that in terms of his later output, like I think there's something worthy there. Um, and yeah, I just think that I, the thing with Carpenter is like, you know, you ask somebody like their favorite films, they, they like, there's like, what is it's Halloween, um, the thing and like escape from New York. I think that's like the big three that people always bring up. Right. Maybe, maybe big trouble in little China. Right. That's about it. Right. But it's like, dude's done so much more right i, I was looking at my timeline recently christine too I, I know christine. i know i know you know <laughs> we, talk, we talked about that during our cigarette burns episode I, we adore christine right like we love that when I mean, you were on here to talk about christine when we were doing yeah. that episode um sorry here as invasion not um <laughs> strange i was but um just you know there's some for somebody like he, he's made so many like amazing important films it's like you know, it's also, I think it's also worthy of mentioning the misses because it's like, we're not all perfect, right? Like you and I, we've talked about, uh, Rod Serling and his output on the twilight zone. 
Um, he's had he's had uh, not swings and misses, but like not even a miss. It's like it's missed so hard that it went behind the catcher and it just disappeared <laughs> behind the backstop, and you never saw it again. You know, like yeah, it's you- like. <laughs> It's like you almost never got up to the square, you know? Yeah, uh, right. So, <laughs> I mean, I just, I think as a fan, I'm not saying you got to earn your stripes, but it's like, you know, sometimes you got to get, you got to get the sour at the sweet to really appreciate the sweet. I think that's where we're at. So, all right, that's going to do it for both episodes. <laughs> Double dipping. Um, Terry, um, tell people where you can find all of us on straight highways and then I'll pimp uh, the other, like the other thing that I do. Uh, Strange Highways is uh, still uh, available to uh, contact us through Facebook and Instagram. We're on Instagram now. You can go ahead and check us out over there. We're having some fun. Um, Strange Highways is still available on lots of different formats. This is, if this is something that you are not typically listening to, um, you can find us on like uh, Spotify even at this point. And the Google searches will find us. So, if, I mean, if you guys uh, have dug any of the conversations that my, myself and Paul have had, um you can go ahead and check our other podcasts out over there because i mean it's a lot of fun you and steve do an amazing podcast you and i do an okay podcast but what so. what <laughs> bullshit I, yeah well you know i bring it down the team but yeah i please check us out over there um we're uh, what an invading pod no, no wait strange the, highways guys, podcast strange, strange gmail.com page. that's where you can email us directly Wherever smoke you find signals. Them. Smoke signals, yeah. It. No, no, Terry, you goddamn. Like we like I feel cigarette like signals. you you have yeah, cigarette, cigarette burn signals. Now you like like I, I, I asked you on like to join me on Strange Highways that like when we like we were going to like the lowest of the lows of the Twilight Zone. And then I'm like, by the way, how about the 80s version? And it has been like like I feel like it's like, hey, you're my friend. What if I punch you in the face repeatedly week after week after week? <laughs> like, <laughs> but we're friends, you know, so um, <laughs> it's it, only because I love you. Yeah, right. It's um, <laughs> it's been it's been um, to quote James Cameron, 40 miles of, of bad road. But whatever, I will never I will never regret checking something out for the first time because you never know. Right. Like yep. and and there's still two more seasons of the 80s iteration of the Twilight Zone that you and I are going to go through. Um, and I know there's some, I know there's some gold in the hills, maybe not a lot, but there is some, um, and I, I would not want to do it with anybody else. So I yeah, do appreciate still, that. We're, yeah. At this point right now, we're still doing the detours and between, yes. uh, hitting the, the next season of the eighties version of the twilight. Yeah, Zone. We need a minute because it took us a year and a half to get through that. So yeah. We, yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, but what we're doing on strange highways next, and then I'll talk about invasion. We're, we're talking about, uh, 1986 is the film, the hitcher. Uh, I cannot wait. Get some Rucker Hauer in here. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is a, oh, this is a, a mean movie. I cannot wait to talk about the Hitcher. And like, also, uh, it was Terry's birthday as of today as of this recording. So he gets to pick the next thing. And you mentioned the Hitcher. So we're doing the Hitcher. He just turned 23 and um, it's amazing. And 23 again. I can't <laughs> believe I was able to do it. Um, <laughs> 23 I, for the 17th time, you know, whatever. I, I stopped the hands of time uh, just for me. Um, <laughs> cause if I, if I had a power, it'd only work for me. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So yeah. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. Uh, and thank you for the choice <laughs> thank, of uh, the hitcher. Cause I'm going to have you on, do... on the show that I'm going to release on strange highways. You're <laughs> yeah, <welcome. laughs> like, well, you know, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> no, but we're talking about the hitcher. So then, uh, uh, so if you guys like this on invasion, the podcast, follow us on invading podcast. 
uh, gmail.com invasion of the podcast on Facebook. Um, uh, follow Steve and his artwork on, uh, on Etsy art of the slash go. And also the slasher.com go buy his work. It's amazing. Um, but, um, next week on invasion, of the podcast, um, I'm going to have, uh, Jeff from the skewered universe podcast. Um, and also, um, Oh, was it? He's also part of the, the, was it the tales from the crypt podcast? I forget the name right now, but it's off the top. Like I'm messing it up, but he, the skewered universe, Jeff, um, cause Terry, you remember his wife, Leanne was on one of our episodes of uh, strange highways talking about the uncle devil show. Um, Jeff's going to come on next week and Trevor from the theater war podcast. And then the three of us are going to talk about the first season of twisted metal that is now on Peacock. It's going to be a lot of fun because they both have an affinity for the game. I, I need to get dig back in to play because I love twisted metal, but I cannot wait to to talk about the the game and the series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I actually can't wait to listen to you guys talk about it. Cause that is something that, if I can get your guys' stamp of approval, then that will be me taking the plunge. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'll uh, be listening, uh, you know, closely. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to do it for uh, us this week um, for both shows. Um, everybody, have a good week, have a safe week, and in the meantime, um, I don't know, um, I don't know. Don't protect the baby. That's not what I'm, that, that should, I should. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> don't don't go off the handle, Jesus.